Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Hello, folks. I have an update. And by the way, I'm going to have to break up my recording because somebody's going to be knocking at my door here in a few minutes because the delivery driver feels like being slow today. So there will be a break in the audio. That's not accidental it's not an error it's not a technical problem have to go get the door but i want to update on my endeavor we had a very interesting thing happen was not anything i triggered but people were relying on me and i ultimately had to snap on them because it was getting on my nerves so that you understand at a high level i am an expert in my craft i am very confident in my skills i do not mince it i don't tiptoe it it is what it is I don't believe you should tell your plumber what wrench they use. I don't believe you should tell your plumber that they diagnosed wrong. I don't believe you should tell your plumber how to do their job. You should let the plumber do their job and then pay them based on the quality of the work or not pay them if they can't show up. So that's how I approach it, right? As a contractor, I am just, this is what I do. I'm an expert in my craft and I'm not ashamed it. I know today society creates this narrative that we should somehow be ashamed or humble. And the truth is you can be humble while still being proud of yourself. And I don't believe, never will I believe that you should not be proud of what you do and be vocal about being proud. It's that second part that certain people get quote triggered about. They get set off because in their mind, possibly because they're lesser, I don't know, but in their mind, you should basically hide your pride. No, I do not agree with it never will agree with it. And I don't care who says otherwise, you will never convince me to agree with that mantra. I will always be proud of who I am. This above all to thine own self be true. That will never change. And that's my commitment to me and you that rhymes. So as I'm doing this with my endeavor and the people involved here, I get a call and it's like, Hey, can you look at this with me? No problem. I'm absolutely happy to help anybody that's, you know, dealing with the thing. I want to be helpful. I want to be a resource. No problem. So we look at it instantly. I can see likely what's the issue, but we need to step through some analysis. This is basic triage. Step through some analysis, ask some questions, starting with the dumbest possible question, 
which is what's it supposed to be doing that it's that you say it's not doing so that we can trace back to why it might not be doing that. This folks is triage troubleshooting 101 has been time honored since time immemorial. It's simply that in the modern era, some people don't accept it and they get hung up on stupid, silly things. Let me give you an exa- analogy and then we'll get into our news because I think it connects actually. Let's say that your car doesn't start, right? You, you don't know why. And I know there's some people that drive really fancy cars where they always start. And we're trying to push away, which I think is stupid, from a world of gas vehicles. But let's just imagine. You have your car, you turn the key, and nothing happens. And it's a gas vehicle or a hybrid. Turn the key, nothing happens. Now, I know, because I've done auto maintenance myself, that there's a couple of things that could be wrong. However, if nothing happens, the first thing I'm going to check is, did I run out of freaking gas? Second thing I'm going to check is, is my battery dead? Like, there's these basic things I'm going to check first. And they're the simplest, basic things, Occam's razor. Usually the simplest answer is the right one. And I don't, what tends to happen, and it happens with healthcare, it happens with cars going wrong, or your kid, this whole story, you know, you get a headache and automatically you leap to the assumption that you must have brain cancer because it's a splitting headache. When the truth is, headaches are normal. (laughs) That's That's what we're dealing with here. It's like, I'm being told there's this problem. I got to fix it. I got to fix it. And I'm saying we need to understand what happened, understand the source data and step it through and carefully step through and identify patterns and identify what's different, right? Dissimilar. This is normal triage though. And this person got frustrated to the point I had to chew him and say, look, why'd you call me then? Because here's the truth. Why call me if you're not going to ask for my help? I'm not there to validate your opinion. I'm there to solve the problem. And it's a delineation that is a very careful, cautious delineation to the point I had to tell the person I directly report into at the client because they were saying, hey, you know, chime up if you think something different. And I said, it's a pointless thing. It's not that I acquiesce. I don't acquiesce. I don't have the time to waste arguing with somebody that doesn't want the help and will not relent. Even when I say, you're not going to like my answer, here it is. And they do exactly what I predicted they were going to do. It's a waste of time. Meanwhile, this issue we were on the phone for three hours, three hours, actually four hours, four hours of this nonsense that I can't do my other work that's critical work. I don't have the same aggressive timeline, but I can't do the work, right? After all this time, so we're getting all these people on the phone and people are freaking out and the person in question is freaking out. And I just stay quiet because at the end of the day, they want to listen to my, you know, they want to give my credit and it's cool. That's what it is. I had to let him fail. Sometimes you have to let a kid burn their finger to no fire hurts. So fast forward, we're doing all this analysis and then I'm noticing something as they're querying the database and I'm helping with some of the queries and how to identify it. They're there. I know from the tool because I've got 20 years experience in the tool, what it can and cannot do, what it will and will not do and what it does and does not do. I know it confidently. Nobody can ever contradict it. So I can see they're there. That means there's a reason it's not showing them. And that's our problem. That's what we should focus on. This guy's not listening to me. No problem. Right. So we're getting the vendor on the line and all this stuff. Vendor doesn't know why this is normal, by the way, where I've been able to solve something that the vendor can't figure it out because they, they don't know the solution and they can't, they don't think outside the box like I do. What's the source of the problem? Source of the problem is a configuration, a known configuration that purposely tells the system not to show these records. I think it's stupid. we had come across it before I had fixed a different environment. We didn't fix it in this environment that they're dealing with. They didn't know it would be a problem. I'm trying to tell them you always need to make sure this is set in order for this to work and just make sure to exclude. And they're, they're fighting me again because they're not understanding you're thinking too hard. You're, you're attributing, frankly, too much logic to a thing. 
at the end of the day, the only reason it's broke is because you don't have the data. I can't tell you why you didn't have the data. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you need the data. So make sure the data is always there no matter what you assume. Like it's simple to me. Occam's razor. Easy change, easy fix. You just update the data. People are freaking out because they've never done this before. Now I do this in my sleep. This is why I'm trying to get them and have been for the past now five and a half months getting them to understand I'm an expert in the craft. And if you're going to, and I'm going to have this conversation with them tomorrow because I have to help them fix what happened because they were too tired to fix it tonight, no problem. And I'm off the clock. Look, I will help you, but I, you have to let me do my job, which is stop arguing with me. I will tell you what's wrong. We have to triage it my way. If you don't want my help, leave me the heck alone. And that's the way it's got to be. If they don't like it, we can terminate the contract. I don't think they want that. We have to get this one person to stop freaking out and panic solutioning because that's what caused the problem. He was rushing. When you rush, you make mistakes. That was my day, right? So I didn't even get a chance to look at my cryptocurrency. I didn't get a chance to look at what was going on. And I heard all these stories on Twitter. Well, turns out some of them are good and some are not so good. Let's go ahead and get into those and see what we find, folks, because I'm done with my internal updates. Now we're getting to the fun stuff. Right off the jump, Luna Classic, right? Luna Classic has gone a little bit up and a little bit down. And, and another YouTube person, or a YouTube person, I should say, commented that there apparently were people that were saying, again, Lunk is dead. Da, 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 da. So this may be the Jake again curse where some of these YouTube influencers say it's crapping out, they're going to sell it, and then it goes on a bull run again. It didn't last very long. It actually didn't last hardly long at all, which didn't surprise me. I expected that if we were going to get some pumps, it wasn't going to go very far. What we now have to look at is where do we go from here? My theory, and it's only my theory, is we still got a little bit of correction that we got to have with Luna Classic. I believe that we still are going to have a little bit of this waiver. The burn is expected to start kicking in tomorrow. Some of these changes have said they're going to join the burn. Let's see what that looks like. We don't know full picture what this looks like, folks. And I want to be clear. If you're in Luna Classic or been watching it, I want to make sure you understand, we don't really know exactly what's going to happen with this business. So hopefully everything is smooth sailing. Everything that you want from me is my delight tonight, but we don't, Isley Brothers, but we don't know. We don't know. And that's the stress. I don't know. Nobody online that's trying to tell you this is definitively what's going to happen. They don't know. Nobody knows. I'll say it. I don't care. I want to smoke. Nobody knows for sure. We can only look at the chart and see what it tells us. What it tells me we got a little bit down to go before we get to some upward movement, possibly by people selling for profit. I'm not sure. We don't know what impact the burn's really going to have. Even Terra Rebel said, we don't really know what the burn's going to do in terms of positive. We expect there's going to be some positive as we work towards, I believe it said 10 billion in total supply. We don't know how long that takes. We also don't know who's doing the off-chain versus on-chain burns. There's all these unknowns. It's exciting because it's, there's a chance that we're sitting at the next Ethereum classic, the next fork that causes wealth, at least initially. And it's like one of those once in a lifetime type opportunities in cryptocurrency, either that, or it's a catastrophic failure, like ETH proof of work that, you know, had an initial pump to over a hundred dollars and then crashed all the way down to six. We just don't know. And that makes it exciting, but also gives me my warning for you as a call to action. Please do not YOLO into Luna classic, even now. We don't know what's going to happen with the thing. I would say once the burn has settled in and we see what's going to happen and we see the transactions and we see the supply 
being affected by whatever burn, then make some smart decisions about what your investment's going to look like. I would just say, I would not recommend you go all in yet because we just don't know what's going to happen. Meanwhile, the rest of the industry minus say Bitcoin is kind of on a steep downward trend. I don't think it's going to last. In my personal opinion, I do think that we are due for a little bit of upward movement. What I think is disrupting some of this is again, you got Gary Gensler coming out making wild statements. That's going to be one of my updates here soon that keeps killing the business. I do think that's part of it, frankly. And I think people keep FOMO selling. They're just freaked out and they are dumping profits to go to stable or go straight out to fiat because they're nervous about what's happening. Let me dig into that Ethereum that I just said. Ethereum, of course, the merge was successful in going to proof of stake. The concerns now from the industry and the reason ETH POW became a thing is that with proof of stake, the theory is that you're losing decentralization. The theory is that now Ethereum becomes a centralized asset. I'm not here to say whether it is or isn't. I am saying what the SEC has said, which is now that you're proof of stake, quote, the United States is the jurisdiction for all transactions on Ethereum. And of course, this freaked a lot of people out. It freaked a lot of people out because they don't know if it's true and they don't know what it means and they don't know what it portends, P-O-R-T-E-N-D-S, for the future. In order to help put some context around this, I want to tell the story around this whole jurisdiction business in the United States and I need the help of Kim.com. Kim.com at one point in the past originated a service called Mega Upload. Mega Upload no longer exists. The service mega.co.nz is what came from the burning, smoldering ashes of what was Mega Upload. At the time Mega Upload showed up, Mega Upload was at that time, one of the very select few truly anonymous file sharing services and people were using it for certain things that were considered illicit by certain elitists, things like sharing music, sharing movies, but anything you can think of. You could file share pretty much anything and there was no storage, there was no direct connection to an individual. Well, then the United States starts freaking because the vast majority of users are in the United States, which they said gave them jurisdiction. They essentially colluded with New Zealand, which where Kim.com lives, to have them storm and raid Kim.com's elaborate estate out there and take some of his stuff, lock him up, do all this extradition, all this business. It was a whole big fiasco simply around the fact that he made a service that let people share files. And the users of those files happened to be in the United States predominantly. That's where this whole jurisdiction thing is coming from, from the SEC now around Ethereum and the proof of stake. The thought is that because the nodes, at least 40% or more, are in the United States, they believe it gives them jurisdiction over the traffic that happens for proof of stake. Well, let's assume that's true, which nobody has a definitive answer, but let's assume it's true. If it's true, it means that the, you know, basically the SEC could start locking anything down that's on the Ethereum chain and presumably anything that's proof of stake and anything that is forked from Ethereum that is still proof of stake. So this freaked some people out. They were all spooked by it. They didn't know how to think about it. They didn't know how to perceive it. Is it really a problem? What should we do? That's where we're at now is we had this spook. And if you've heard me for the past couple of episodes, you've heard me say the only real thing I see killing the momentum that we should have by now is somebody in the government coming out saying something that's apparently from my eyes designed to kill the business. And that keeps happening. Don't you notice that pattern? Don't you notice and how ironic it is, the timing every time one of them come out and says something is right at the point that something's going on a strong bull run with the exception 
of Lunar Classic. It seems to be the only one that was exempt from significant disruption. Lunar Classic may simply be a factor of something different or could be connected, don't know. I'm saying that every time there's a bull run in cryptocurrency, somebody in the United States government comes out, says a thing, which appears to kill the business. That's what I think has happened. As a result, and this is one of the second news updates, Ethereum Classic plummeted 23% over after the merge. If you heard my update where I said, once this forks off on Ethereum, we have to see what happens to Ethereum Classic. Ethereum Classic remains proof of work. However, it's a garbage, in my opinion, chain. But I didn't know if people would just leap on that bandwagon because it's out there and it's cheap and let's see if we can cause some artificial pumps or what was going to happen. Certainly nobody's going to build on it because I think it's absolute garbage. Well, it lost a lot of value. It was pumping at one point. It was, it was pumping, I believe, a couple like a week ago or so, a couple days, and then it started going down ever steadily, which isn't surprising. It isn't surprising to me because, again, Ethereum Classic, I think, is garbage. Absolute crap of a, of a blockchain having interacted with myself. And it doesn't really do anything other than be a proof of work uh, type token, which does appeal to certain people. The whole proof of work and the at least the appearance of decentralization is what caused ETH POW, the proof of work fork of Ethereum, to become a thing. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. Just know Ethereum Classic, my theory that Ethereum Classic was not going to sustain came true. And we have to see where it goes from here. I don't think it's going to get too much higher. Hopefully, ETH POW goes away, but something tells me it'll be around with a little bit of pumping up for the foreseeable future. In other news, the SEC recently charged a crypto influencer, a.k.a. Schiller, for not disclosing, quote, incentive to promote unregistered ICO. I want to break down these terms because they're using terms that are unnecessary. So first, Schiller. Schiller is somebody who is, they're, they're paid to promote, quote, unquote, something. Could be a token, could be an NFT, could be a set of whatever. An ICO is an initial coin offering. It basically says it's a presale. And we're going to make it available and we're going to you know, get people in there. What tends to happen with quite a few influencers, AKA shillers is that they will encourage a bunch of people via their influence to buy into these ICOs. And then they'll have major bags because they were paid by the token provider. And then they'll immediately dump off this business. And it's a form of fraud, mind you, but it's not regulated to that degree. This that we see in this case, it actually involved Steven Seagal, believe it or not. Steven Zagal apparently was one of the promoters of this business <laughs> and a bunch of money was raised and then they were shilling it and saying, yep, this is what it is. Come get on this business, get on this now, do, 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 like all the, the, and caused a fraud charge because he was paid to promote it and he didn't disclose that he was paid to promote it. If you're on YouTube, you are required to disclose that you were compensated for any promotion that you do, which is part of the reason I don't really do promotion. Even if I have a token on my channel, it's not for the purposes of promoting the token, it's to inform. And that's crystal clear from all the coverages I do. When you see a shiller, you know exactly what the heck they're doing. And they'll, some of the more ethical ones will disclose, yes, I promote these guys and they compensated me for this promotion. Some of them will not. Do you know why? Some of those tokens actually tell the influencers not to disclose that they were paid for their services. That's going to get them in trouble. Those influencers, you are supposed to disclose that you were compensated for any promotion. The reason the tokens don't want to do that is because they know the investors, certain of them, will look at that and be skeptical, rightfully so. The truth is, those listening to me, 
if you're still listening to Schiller's and following their bets, I can't really help you. I've said multiple times, I'm never going to be a Schiller because I ethically don't believe in it. I don't follow Schiller recommendations in my decisions. I look for fundamentals. And my channel and my episode, especially this one here at CryptoTalkRadio.net, is designed to provide information and empower you and educate you so you can make your own decision. Thus, you don't rely on the Schiller. Now, obviously, awareness becomes a concern. You don't know that something is available or that it's ready to go or what's going to happen with it. Social media is kind of your only outlet for these, and you can't really trust social media either. So I'm not, I'm not insensitive to the plight. Obviously, these are major things that affect people. They don't know who to really trust. That's why I try to create a platform of that trust and with the triad backing me, try to build a community around that trust where we can share the information. Maybe a member learns about a certain project. It looks good. They've asked me to look at it because that's a perk of membership. I look at it. I don't see any concerns. That person decides to go a little bit in. They learn a bit about the devs. Hopefully we get the devs to talk to me on the podcast so you can hear directly from them and hopefully increase trust. That was my vision. So far, many of the tokens simply don't want that smoke. So it doesn't surprise me this business of now the SEC is starting to get sick of that crap and they're getting involved. And I like that they're getting involved because I like to keep people safe myself. Bitcoin has recovered ever slightly above 19,000. Of course, it then dipped right back down beneath 19,000, came a little bit back up. It's wavering just above 19,000 as I record this. And the resistance level is just below that 19,000 mark. So the expectation is, okay, if it goes too much further down beneath 19,000, we might end up in a bear run on this and it could be hard to recover it. And we're not able to get above the 20,000 mark again and stay above this, which is causing some concerns. Some people have speculated as to the reason why this is. I think there's a couple of things happening. With Bitcoin specifically, I do think Bitcoin was simply overpriced at the time that you saw 2021 go nuts with this business. I think there may have been just some artificial pumps that were happening. I think that constraint may have played a factor, the miners and everything else. I think it was a multitude of different things altogether that created this illusion of value. Then you had a bunch of people sell it when it hit the peak, right? It hit 69,000 bucks at a peak and you see a bunch of people sell because they see it's not climbing as fast and they're smart with the graphs. Then you had big businesses, big institutional players, and they sold off because they needed profit for the businesses. So I think it was a perfect storm of price correction that frankly was necessary. I think it was needed. I also think that if it gets to the right level bottom, it will then go on another run. Nobody knows when, and you've heard me say that repeatedly. Nobody knows when. We are just simply confident that Bitcoin has no choice but to go up, mostly because Bitcoin backs largely everything. Bitcoin is largely accepted by the government. Bitcoin is actually used for transactional purposes. I think what may hold Bitcoin back is the fact that while it's constrained inventory, that's what causes its price to be what it is. It also is not deflationary truly in the, in the core. It's not deflationary or inflationary. It's, it's inventory will never change. And we still haven't mined all the blocks. Well, that means that we've got some time to go. We have to figure, we have to finish mining all the blocks. That's going to take a little bit of time. I think they estimated like 10, 20 years for that. We also have to get more adoption of Bitcoin as a currency. I'm talking as a currency. There has to be more of it. We don't have that yet. I said it before. If you can't walk to that shady freaking drugstore on the corner with bars on the windows and have the guy readily accept it without thinking about it, and it doesn't, it doesn't translate to a fiat on the back end, like change now or whatever. Until we get to that world, Bitcoin is not mainstream. I think it has to get mainstream for it to get a little bit further 
I believe that as long as we have the government coming out making these wild-eyed statements, we will never mainstream it. And I believe that's intentional. Call me Tim Fall if you must. That's what I think. In Congress, in the United States, they are drafting a bill to be able to start the process for a stablecoin. This would be a government-managed, government-run stablecoin. It requires multiple levels of approvals. And multiple people have said, this isn't going to solve the problem. It's not going to do, it's not going to fix the issue. It's not. What they're trying to do is they're trying to do the best they can to try to get something in place that would do two things. One, create a stable coin that the government's at least aware of, duly notes that's backed by currency. And of course, they can track it and manage it so it's not really a true cryptocurrency. But also, they want to sneak in regulations that allow them to lock you up in jail if you issue a stable coin without their approval. Ha ha ha. You didn't expect that, did you? Of course, that's the way the United States government works. They never do anything out of the kindness of their heart. This is not about creating new cryptocurrency. It's about a ban, in this case, on stable coins, but that's the first step. If you've listened to me for a while, you've heard me say, I believe they're trying to work towards a ban on cryptocurrency. They don't like it, they don't want it, and they don't want you to have your own wealth. Here's where I'm going to contradict myself. I actually believe that we should somehow regulate stable coins. A ban, no. I think if you regulate it, I would ban algorithmic. I would absolutely say no to algorithmic. I would say if you're going to create a stable coin, there must be fiat backing each and every single coin that you issue. People are like, well, that defeats the purpose. No, it doesn't. Because the whole spirit of the stable coin was that it's stable pegged to fiat. To do that, you have to make sure you have one-to-one to fiat. You can't do this assumptive thing based on transactional data and expected to sustain. We've seen multiple of them crash and burn. And I don't think that does anybody any good. At the same time, I understand why they do it. It's because it allows them to respond better to the transactional needs of the stable coins. I got it. I'm saying, I don't think a stable coin by the United States government solves the problem. I also don't support algorithmic stable coins. I'm just saying that I don't think their bill is the solution to either problem. Rather, I would rather simply say, if you're going to issue a stable coin, you must peg it to a fiat. You must have the fiat available and tied to it in a traceable, reportable form, period. However you do that, we don't care. Then comes the problem. There's only so much fiat, right, in circulation. Obviously, they print, but you still have only so much fiat in circulation. So that means that you can't peg the same stable coin to the same dollar, right? So now you run into a supply constraint. And I don't know how to solve that problem because it's a problem that we have created upon ourselves when we removed gold from the equation. I talked to Mr. Segal and he was talking about other solutions and he was talking about pegging to uh, precious metals. That's a thought. Problem is the value of precious metals has been kind of iffy as of late. I don't have a solution. I'm not proposing a solution. I'm saying that their bill, I think is doomed to fail. I don't think it's the right answer. I think the right answer is to figure out how to get stable coins perfectly pegged to fiat and go from there. That's all I got for news. I'm going to close with this so you understand. Or actually, I got one quick thing. It's related, which is that Robinhood now lists USDC, which is the primary most trustworthy stable coin. And that goes to my closing note is I know some people are in Robinhood and they like what Robinhood does and all the different exchanges. Understand that what we're dealing with here in this whole fiasco of all this disruption with the government and them locking down and Ripple and all this, I know it's frustrating. I completely understand. Just don't FOMO, don't YOLO. Try to, try to act cautiously, right? Cautious. Be smart about your trading because it is a disruptive world right now. I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. 
until we see what happens in November and we maybe do or maybe don't get a blowout, that's going to tell us whether we get people in office that really understand this thing. And they're just as greedy as you are, right? And they want to celebrate cryptocurrency and promote it. I just don't think we're there yet. So just be smart with your trading strategy is all I ask. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that will say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.